Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our vehicle. And today we are in the big white farm truck, the noisy one. So if you hear a little noise and the recording quality is not quite as good, that's what's going on. Welcome to the show. And, you know, as we travel, I'm not a walker. Okay, I, I just don't like to walk. I'm not comfortable walking. I got If he needs at best... I just don't like walking. She loves to walk. Me, not so much. So we often carry with us a way to get home in case bad things happen. Like your microphone slipping down. <coughs> Goodness, it's coughing. Why am I always coughing on these podcasts? I don't cough any other time just when we're podcasting. Sorry about the microphone noise there. It was like falling off her face. Okay. We wear these headset microphones. So... They're designed for bigger people. Yes, they're designed for more people. compliments, folks. My head's not big enough. Yeah, even though you're wearing my your new lucky hat, <laughs> your new lucky hat. We are. Um, I am a Mondo fan of a particular sports team, which uh, I will not be talking about. But uh, let's just say that their habit had a good first half. He and he put his hat on me. Before the game, and they had a very good first half. So, so it's her hat. Now this is now her hat. lucky hat. <laughs> okay, so. The reason we're actually in the white studio today. In case, I have to say it. Bear down. Bear down. Yeah, okay. he's not going to name the team. But, Bear um, down. <laughs> that was no doubt an unrelated thought. The reason we're in the big white studio today is because I got my little boat in the back. Yeah, see, this is, this is where I was going with it. You know, we have a, we have a way that you can get home in our truck it's the little boat the only trouble is the roads aren't rivers hmm. yeah yeah they were the rivers of the ancient world but are the roads of the ancient world but well this particular road we're on right now <coughs> excuse me again is a river of autumn olive i have never seen so much autumn olive is in this bypass was built what, 10 years ago about that about that and, and the um, fields on both sides have filled up with autumn olive so, the reason we're talking about little boats today is uh, while we were taking my little boat out to the lake so I could go for a pleasant little paddle, we uh, found an autumn olive that was ripe and we started picking it, but got us off yeah, on the autumn a, olive diversion. If you hear the autumn olive podcast, this is filmed at the same day. Same day. Okay. But this is about the little boat part. This is about the little boat part. Uh, little boats and prepping, kayaking and canoes and what they have to do with prepping. Very situation-specific, but can be highly useful in those particular situations. Now, first of all, let us state that we, our little boat is a little, um, is it an 8-foot or a 10-foot? It's an 8-foot because it fits in the back of this short bed pickup, and you can close the... So it's a very small boat. It's a boat for a, for a person who's 160 pounds or less, I would say. Maybe 180. It's a it's a small person. It's got a 200 pound weight limit on it. Yeah, but, but really, 120 pound woman gear, can carry you know, it around and wanna, toss it in the back pretty easy. You want to carry gear and stuff like that. You got to take you know 20 pounds off the yeah off the weight. And you know there's some there's a little bit of weight to the the clothing and there's a little bit of weight to the the life vest and stuff like that. Not much, but a little. So, but, but still, if I needed to fish for food. This uh, little boat would go from be 
coming an enjoyable little amusement to me to having real prepping value. Because one, it's not hard to get out to a waterway. No. And two, there are a lot of places where the only way you can get to the good fishing is in a boat. And three, this type of boat, you don't need gasoline, you don't need electricity, you don't need anything other than your own two strong arms. And that could be important in situations where gas is scarce, where it's hard to get a trolling motor battery charged. Or even where quiet is important. Trolling motors are quiet, but the big boat motors are loud. But the little boats, always quiet, whether with a trolling motor or with uh, human power. Now, i got to throw in a caveat here. We did not buy this little boat as a prep. This little boat was not. No. She, this is so for her to, she likes to tool around on the waters. This is a, this particular boat is a recreational calm lake kayak it's a sit on top it's not a sit in it is not I mean, it's not white water compatible spice isn't white water compatible at the moment <laughs> either i'm gonna hopefully when we get some time and i'd like to send her off to a week or two week long white water training uh session so that she can get a little better at that but she would not be using this little boat this little boat's just for tooling around our local lakes and on fairly calm days, our lakes don't get up much chop because they don't have much fetch. But going into a wind is still a significant. It's a real thing. Yeah. And before you get too crazy about moving around on big bodies of water with little boats or fast bodies of water with little boats, you actually do have to learn what you're doing. We because actually, that we, Yellowstone Lake is yeah, actually the most podcast. dangerous part of Yellowstone. We have a podcast about Yellowstone Lake. Don't we? We did a podcast on it, didn't we? Uh, yeah. It was under a, a different. It's about knowing the dangers of the places you're in instead right. of Yellowstone Lake per se. But right, yeah, just go ahead and give a give a quick version of the Yellowstone Lake. Uh, story. I was out with my hiking partner at at Yellowstone. We were doing a lot of hiking. We uh, took a day off the feet to go out to Yellowstone Lake. And I am aware that my skills are limited, and my partner's skills were slightly less than mine. And I was in charge of this expedition. So I chose, uh, looked at the wind direction, made sure we were going upwind, uh, going out, so we'd have a tailwind coming back. And I cho chose a nice protected bay and didn't get out into the big big fetch, because Yellowstone Lake's a pretty big lake. What is fetch? Uh, fetch is the uh, length of the stretch of water the wind blows over to build up wave height before it gets to you. Like oceans and big lakes have a lot of fetch. Yeah. Yellowstone Lake has a lot of fetch. It's a pretty big lake. Yeah. And so I hadn't realized at the time how the weather can change quickly enough on Yellowstone Lake to build up four-foot-tall waves with no warning and nothing in the weather forecast. I hadn't known that. But I had planned conservatively, yeah, I planned conservatively to be in this nice protected little arm and to be upwind of our landing spot, so we ourselves did not get into trouble. But an unexpected windstorm came up, and the wind was so high, the guy who came to pick us up in the uh, motorboat almost had to abandon the kayaks there till another day because he had four-foot waves and was having trouble getting in close enough to the pier to get our things loaded. So, if I had actually been on the long fetch of water there, 
my friend and I would have been in very cold water. <laughs> and that's a bad and thing. And that's a dangerous thing. Very yeah. dangerous. Cold water kills. Pretty quickly. Cold water kills quickly. You got about half an hour in that temperature water, they say. Yeah. And you start to lose your ability to self-rescue almost immediately. It starts deteriorating as you get colder and yeah. colder. And your, your pans won't do what you're telling them to do. So... You don't fool around with not knowing what you're doing on these guys, but there are absolutely a lot of excellent fishing spots. The little lake I was on today, almost unfishable from shore. Yes. Because, because lots and lots pads. of lily pads and lily other pads kinds just, of, of well, water weeds. I'm going to put pictures in the, uh, i got pictures of her in her little boat, and also I've got uh, pictures of the lily pads, which are beautiful. And a great, great habitat for fish to hide yeah, under. Yeah, I saw you, a lot of, of you, uh, fish pop in the surface and things like that. It is virtually unfishable from the shore, though. There's a couple of spots. And when there's only going to be a couple of spots, you know they're going to be heavily fished, even in a remote location like this one. And how remote a location was this? It was a beautiful Sunday fall afternoon, and we were the only people who were not, like, workmen who were trimming down yeah. dead trees. There was a volunteer crew out there. Yeah, I'm volunteer sure there crew volunteers. out there trimming trees over, not not at the lake. I mean, over back On the off, property, though. On the property, though. Those were the only other people on this property on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And it's a, a open to the park, or open to the public, beautiful little park. So this is a very rural place. And... I'm telling you, I know this is a stocked lake, so there's a lot of fish in this lake. We weren't fishing. She was just tooling around on her little boat. Not that we're opposed to fishing. We just weren't fishing. And um, If I'd had a um, pole with me, though, I could have dropped the, the hooks right down amongst where all the fish were popping at the surface among the lily pads. Someplace you absolutely could not fish from the shore. Yeah, and I, I saw the fish popping out there, but you couldn't get, you couldn't, you could get, you could catch a fish, but you couldn't get it to, you couldn't land it because of, of the vast amounts of lily pads and weeds and junk. And you would have lost a lot of gear trying to fish it too, and that's, right. it's, that it's, would be a problem if you were doing this as a prep. So that, it, that is not at all uncommon. When I tool around in my little boats, I often see lots of fish, and I see lots of great space spots to fish that are hard or impossible to get to from shore. And on a related note, if I had wanted to forage, say pick up some more walnuts, I saw some places where I could have stopped and picked up walnuts. Not that autumn olive are hard to find around here, but if I'd wanted to pick more autumn olive, there are places I could have gotten to there. The point is, the very best places to forage are places where other people aren't going. And I could have reached them in my little boat, and I couldn't have reached them from shore with any kind of convenience. And some of these places on some of these shores are very hard to get through if you cut through the woods, because these woods are full of brambles, they're full of, of berries with stickers on them. It's and they often have boggy areas close to the shoreline, too, so it gets difficult to walk at all without losing a shoe, and if you try it, you are guaranteed to have wet feet and miserable mucky boots and it's just not an enticing experience so basically for foraging and fishing is what i see as the main uses of it but also if you want to get from a place to place that's along a waterway and you don't want to use the roads or you can't use the roads this is the uh, 
next fastest way to get there. Okay. Now, like all things, the time to learn, purchase the little boat and learn how in the world to actually use it is now not when you need it as a survival prep. The thing is, these are not very expensive. You can buy them used for dirt. I've seen them for sale for 30 bucks used. Yeah, this thing brand new was under 100 I actually, to be fair, this one was a little over 100 but it wasn't much. I think it was 139 but it wasn't much. And this is brand new. And, and you know, now, I will tell you, I do have some, some helpful tips about, these are Salty's tips on little boat buying and operation. I'm not a little boat person. I do not enjoy the water. I get seasick a lot. So water and me, I'm a diver. I love the water, but I want to be in the water, not on the water. So, but here are salt. Sorry about that. I bumped the microphone. Here are Salty's tips for little boat buying and uh, little boat management. Number one, if you are going to be buying a little boat, a little kayak, a little canoe, for prepping purposes, get as small a one as you can and comfortably have it do the job. Because you're going to need to be carrying this thing back and forth to the water and or slash hiding it. Okay? So this is something that you want to keep in mind. The reason we got the boat the size that we got was because it's it's small enough that she can easily handle it. Yeah, uh, I can pick it up and carry it. Truck, put it in the, put it in the it, truck, do yeah, whatever take I it need out of the truck it. all by herself. She doesn't need any help. And she's a five foot four woman. Five five foot four hundred and fifteen pounds. Not a big woman. Tip two, don't get an orange one like we did. Yeah, the it's, the fish are scared more scared by it. You can see them breaking ahead of you. When you're coming. Which is fine for what she's doing. You know. Three. Don't worry about things that normal canoeing and kayakers worry about. Like white water um, usability or tracking. Size is more important. Size and stability are more important than tracking. You want something that's, that doesn't track all that well because you need it to be maneuverable so you can get in and out of places. Tracking means when you paddle, the nose of the boat doesn't drift too far to the side with each stroke of the paddle. Right. But the uh, more straight the boat goes when you paddle, the less it tracks, the more efficient long-distance travel is. But the harder it is to maneuver the canoe when you want to, and it takes a bigger boat to get better tracking. Tip four, do not skimp on your paddle or your oars. Don't skimp. Get good, high-efficiency paddles or oars. That float. That float. Extremely important to get high-efficiency paddles. I've I've been canoeing with somebody who thought he was clever, buying these really, really cool paddles that were negatively buoyant. He got home with one paddle, so he wasn't totally stuffed. But 
So that float, yes. And <clears throat> if you get one that's um, got the uh, fishing line disengaged thing on it, that's actually not a bad idea either. The little, they've got a little cutout for... Yeah, it's a little indentation on the end of the paddle. So you can reach out and grab thin lines with that. Well, you can also actually recover a fair amount of still usable fishing gear with those, by the way. <laughs> I found... Because the people on shore cast into the weeds and can't get them out, and they leave their gear there, and you can come and collect their gear. If I were had been interested in carrying those things around, I would have a nice collection by now. Pro tip, if you're going to be collecting gear like that, wear gloves. Okay. Pro tip, wear gloves that won't be punctured by a fish hook, a rusty fish hook. All right. Those are some those are some of my tips. My fifth and final tip, I think that my fifth and final tip is if you are going to if you're bound and determined to do tandem canoeing or paddling, two people in the canoe, two people in the paddle, make sure before you spend any money that you are canoe partner compatible <laughs> some people just have different paces different paces they just go at different paces spice and i are not compatible with canoes we're not compatible on a tandem bicycle we just are we, we're just totally we're different sizes we're different weights we have different cadences we have different uh uh we have different everything. I remember one time we, we rented a bicycle. It was a mountain bike. It was a tandem. And we neither one of us wanted to let each other down. You remember that? Yep. So, you know, here we are. We're both chugging away. We're both doing our thing. You know, we're up to about 30 miles an hour on a mountain bike tandem on a gravel trail. We were tearing past people. I mean, we were people. just blowing past people. And we got back, and we were both just trashed. Yeah, we were blown. And then, so we're like, oh, man. You were just pounding. Oh, yeah, you were just pounding. You were just pounding. <laughs> and like, oh, I just didn't want to let you down. And you were like, man, I didn't want to let you down. So we both killed ourselves <laughs> trying not to be the, the, the slacker <laughs> who asked, hey, what are these footrests for? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like, we, we, uh, we have canoed together once. To be fair, you were a much bigger man then. And to be fair, it was, there was not very much water in a very rocky uh, yeah, river. I was not actually on the water. I was actually hovering a few inches above the water. Nah, you weren't quite. But uh, yeah, don't you know? People should be relatively the same weight. Uh, so that's yeah, that's it. But in in all seriousness, paddling together it requires teamwork, and most yep. people can be compatible. But you should really try. Check it out before you. My hiking partner and her husband had a, a dual kayak for a while, but they decided that getting rid of the kayak was better than getting rid of each other, so they got rid of the kayak. <laughs> yeah, it's just some people you just it just doesn't work, and some people are not good tandem people. I'm just not a good tandem person, straight out in anything. So, it's just the way it is. So, okay. Do you have anything else to add on, on kayaking? Very worth it if the situation's right. 
So consider your situation and decide if it's right. If it's not, then don't. Yeah, nearby body of water or body of water where you're going to be. Because you're not going to be hauling this boat anywhere where it's not in a vehicle. They do have inflatable versions. They do, but they're if it's going to be a big. little, If it's going to be a little farther to where you would, uh, like if it's a mile or so to where you would want to be fishing, but it's a really good fishing spot, I might consider that. Well, yeah, you could like that, put that in the back of the trike and off you go. Yeah. Because the trike can handle that, no problem. Yep. We got a big trike. Which I don't use very much because it's a pain in the tail to get in and out. I am going to come up with a solution for that. I think we'll talk about that off the air. We will. We, I love to use that trike. We've got the trike. It's an expensive trike. It's a big, really beautiful trike. But storing it in where we have it stored is just not working. So I've got an idea, but we're going to talk about that later when you you don't need to worry about the trike. So anything else you want to add? I'm done. Have All a right. good day, folks. Have a good day.